You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyke from Dutch Growers. You can give us a call or a text. It's all the same number. 1-877-332-8255. Rick and Jill, it's uh, shaping up to be a toasty week here. And even today, I guess, a pretty warm one. Right across the province. Looks like yeah. tomorrow's going to be like, I think, 31 in Saskatoon, but 35 in Regina. Yeah. It's, uh, there's already some heat warnings in the south part of the province. So it's, uh, and I guess like a little bit along the Alberta border, kind of further north too. So yep. we're all going to be in it. Uh, how do you keep the, uh, the garden looking okay during this sort of hot, dry weather? Just try to be as consistent as you can. That's the biggest one because people are phoning about, you know, different, um, problems with two, two ways. One is that they're, 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 Inconsistent watering, so they're getting blossom and rot on their, okay. you know, things like their squash or their tomatoes, especially. And so, just keeping that water consistent, you'll stop that. I mean, adding extra calcium and those kind of things will help make the plant healthier and be able to resist that. But I mean, the number one way you get blossom and rot is by wet dry, wet dry, wet dry. And so that's going to be tough in the yeah. next few days. <laughs> I would say also early morning watering is what I would suggest too. Yeah. Um, watering in the morning rather than the peak of the, the afternoon. Otherwise you start getting um, reflection from the sun on those water droplets and you'll start getting some burning on your plants, yep. on your leaves and even on some of the little, fruit. Little so, perfectly round holes in your leaves from the water droplets. Yeah. yeah, so watering in the morning and then I would probably do a second water check. So I'm almost when it's hot like this above that 25, 26 degrees, I'm doing a watering in the morning and then taking a break and checking things again. Again, when I get home from work around four o'clock. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there again with the kind of heat we have, if you go and water late at night, like let's say nine or ten o'clock, yeah, you know when it's getting dusk, then all of a sudden that humidity, and then you get problems with powdery mildew. I'm getting lots of leaves, mm-hmm. pictures of leaves, and seeing the powdery mildew on things like their cucumbers and that kind of stuff, and that's just from watering late at night, and, hmm. and then and having it, and then humidity, and then you get the powdery mildew. All right. Um, so we do have a couple calls that we can get to here. Uh, we start with, I believe it's Marion in Regina. Good morning. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Well, good morning. Good morning. Um, we have a, a Swiss stone pine that's t- about 25 years old. And uh, uh, we just put some more uh, black uh, manure, like uh, dirt underneath it. Yep. And uh, we also deep root it with... Uh, uh, water, and we notice the the needles are starting to turn yellow. If they're turning yellow, uh, usually yellow is a, um, a stress factor from from either too wet or too dry. Okay, so okay. Um, I mean the deep watering. If that if that's a fairly old Swiss stone pine. Like one thing about Swiss stone pines is that they're they're very hardy. They can take a little bit of more drought than other pines can. Okay. So don't overwater it is one thing. So probe the soil down, you know, the gear again. Probe the soil down in a bunch of different places at the drip line of the plant, okay, and uh-huh. just see what the moisture's like. Um, so you will get you will get some burning like that. Now also you got to watch for uh, is that was that manure well composted manure? I uh, don't know. It was already in bags. Oh, it was in bags. Yeah, so it would have been composted. Yeah. So that that wouldn't yeah. have that wouldn't have caused that at all because. If you use, you know, fairly new manure from the farm or something like that, then you could get some burning on the tips. But okay. but basically, if you're getting yellowing at the, at the tips, it's usually because um, it's usually because of, of either changing of pH of the soil, or otherwise too wet or too dry. So just okay. just watch for that. Probe the soil. Use a piece of rebar. That's what I use. It's really simple. Three eighths piece of rebar. You stick it down the ground. You know, 12, 16 inches in the ground, and then when you pull it up, it brings a sample with it. And then you can tell what what is uh, how much moisture. Deep if you're deep rooting water that old of a plant, if you do that about every three weeks or so uh, on a plant like that uh, at the drip line of the tree, uh, that, mm-hmm. that's enough for a tree like that to sustain itself because you're putting the water down deeper, and then that's where the roots are, uh, and it'll sustain itself through a through a drought like this. Um, it doesn't need to be. An old tree like that doesn't need to be watered unless you're just watering the lawn. You need to water it more often. But if you're deep watering it, yeah, if you do it every three weeks, a good deep watering, uh, that'll be yeah. enough for a tree that size. Okay, is this a, the nature of the tree too to lose its needles? Uh, it, pine trees always lose some needles naturally every year, all the time. Especially in the fall, they'll turn totally yellow and fall off. Okay, yeah. that's normally what they do. Uh, it's not a not a bad thing. It's just what pines do. And, uh, okay. but, but if you're starting to get brown in the tips, right, 
or yellow yeah. on the tips, then uh, this er- this early usually means that they're stressed. So I'm, I'm seeing even I'm looking out the window here. Yeah. I'm seeing ash trees and poplar trees, and everything's turning yellow right now, and that's all because of stress. Stress. Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. good. Thanks right. for your yep. information. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Yeah. Bye. Uh, we stay in Regina with Ron. Hi, Ron. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Good morning. I have an ash tree in my backyard, and it's dropping its leaves. Like uh, I've taken away oh, two garbage bags full of leaves already. Yeah. What type of ash is it? You know? I have no idea. It's the same one that's in all the parks in Regina, because right behind us is a park, and it has solid ash trees, and none of them are losing their leaves. Yeah. Like I know. Uh, the, in in Saskatoon, we had a cottony psyllid. I don't don't think you had that much of that problem. That was an insect about five years ago. And they brought a little fungus with them. And my sister's place in Saskatoon last week and a half ago dropped all its leaves. Hmm. And that's because all the bark is coming loose. Have you noticed the bark coming loose on the on the base of the tree? No, it does not appear to be. Okay, so you can tap on the bark and it's solid. It's still not loose or anything like that, is it? No, sir. Okay, because that's the biggest thing. Because once the bark comes loose, then the sap can't run up to the top of the tree anymore. Then you start losing the leaves once you start getting a heat. You get the heat we are right now. So watch, watch your moisture because if it's a if it's a black type of ash, which um, it may be a black ash, they like a lot of moisture. Okay, and you guys, right. you guys have had uh, you had some rain earlier on, but now it's been pretty dry and wet, or pretty dry and hot. So watch the moisture, and uh, but I would check to see. Um, I would make sure that the um, two things. One is that hopefully Regina doesn't have the boar coming in. Make sure that you don't see any sawdust around the base of the plant. Okay, yep. that the boar hasn't got in, and make sure that bark is not uh, loose around it. That the, you know another insect has got in there. Uh, but number one is it make sure that the moisture's uh, good because I see I see all around here. Like I'm just looking out the window here, and I see a bunch of ash trees that have turned yellow and are falling off. Are your leaves falling off green or fruit falling off yellow? Green. Yeah, no, green means usually if it's dropping off green, that usually means you have a fungal or an insect if they're dropping green. Okay. Okay, so do do some do some scouting and checking around and seeing what's happening there. Thank you. Okay. Have a good day. Yep. Thanks, Ron. You too. Bye. Now, Rick, another thing that usually happens is we say water, but we say keep the tree healthy, water and fertilize. Now, mm-hmm. it's getting a little bit late to fertilize right yeah. now, and uh, so we want to make sure we remind people, like, usually the cutoff date for... Is around July the 15th. July the 15th so to the 20th. Um, we're, we're close. As long as this... I, I don't want to go past August 1st for sure. Yeah. So, so you want your trees to start shutting down at yeah. that point in time, so... Um, and, and a lot of times with no water, trees will automatically shut down because of the heat. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're going to get in Regina, they talked about Regina here, you're mm-hmm. going to get, like, 35 degrees. Yeah. Trees will start protecting themselves, right? Yeah. And so, uh, and that's why they'll, and when they start dropping leaves, it's usually because it's it's a it's a safety mechanism for them. So, they're dropping them because they don't have enough n- moisture coming up the stem to sustain itself. Yeah. So, um, a lot of times, some trees will lose their leaves, like I'll see them, in, in pot, especially in pots, they'll lose their leaves. We had a bunch of them that got missed in watering, lost the leaves, but now all the new buds are starting to come out again. Oh, okay. So it's it's a protection. But an older tree, it's hard for them to recover from that. But um, but they have. I've had ash trees uh, that have never budded out, but then they because they, they were under stress, mm-hmm. and then they all of a sudden, you know, July first, July fifteenth, all of a sudden, oh, now it's budding. <laughs> Would you look at that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, so I don't get it. I'm never in a panic to cut down a tree, right? Because mm-hmm. it just may pop out later, especially ash. If you have a question, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Brian has patiently been waiting on the line for us in Saskatoon. Hi, Brian. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Hey, morning, guys. Um, about a month ago, I literally stole. Two hot pepper plants from Floral Acres, a regular twelve bucks each. You're getting rid of them. I got them for two. Um, they came with peppers on them already. They're repro- they're producing really, really well. I got them in about twelve inch pots. I wonder if I could take them in and winter them. I I wouldn't expect them to produce during the winter, but do you think they would survive the winter? Well, peppers are an annual, so their their life cycle is to produce produce seed and then and then die. Um, so you can collect the seed from those those pepper plants, replant them, and then you can have more pepper plants that way. You can, but you can 
with that said, you can extend the life of those pepper plants and they'll produce more and more and more if you bring them inside and put them under grow lights and continue to grow them and fertilize them. But they eventually will peter out. They'll like peter e- out. Even the greenhouses, the commercial greenhouses, they, end, they usually at the end of the, by the, by the end of September, well, no, I guess a little bit later than that, basically November, they clean out their the old the old plants and then they... Yeah, you stagger start when you're a growing greenhouse with those, and so you're constantly seeding and starting new plants all the time. So that's how you'd continually have a crop of peppers. Um, But if you're wanting to save those plants and get more of those ones, then you collect the seed and replant those seeds. And another quick comment. Um, I had to cover my uh, cukes and tomatoes with netting. The birds are eating all my bloody blossoms. Now, uh, I didn't have the problem last year year before I had the same problem. I'm wondering why they would periodically do it and not every year. You know, any thoughts on that? It might just be that there was more food last year for them and they're 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 bugging them a little bit more there. The other thing too is it might just be bugs and pests and stuff like that around your garden. Um, birds are definitely attracted to eating those bugs. So if there's more bugs in your garden, they might be attracted to that area as well. And then, too. then just because there's more birds and bugs and they... they, they yeah, they'll just eat the flowers as well because all of a sudden they'll taste it once and they'll go, oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and then Plus they probably going. taste good too, eh? Absolutely. Huh. Okay, thanks, guys. Okay. Have a good thanks day. for your call. All right, we go to Nancy in Swift Current. Hi there, Nancy. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Good morning. Well, we had a pretty good hailstorm last night, and it stripped pretty much everything in my yard. I'm wondering, we, I planted some bushes um, two years ago, and they're stripped. Should I cut them down? Uh, no. Will it hurt them to cut them down right now, or should I just leave them? I would just leave them. You won't hurt. What Do you know what type of bush it was? Well, there I have lots of different kinds, yep. but this uh, snowball bush is a couple of them, a yep. Burberry. Yep. Yeah. Okay, yeah, if you want, just leave them. They'll, they'll push out a new growth. Okay. Uh, but you can trim them down. Uh, it won't hurt them, but not oh. not a lot. Not not any. Just do light pruning. Yeah, light pruning, like fifteen to twenty okay. percent, if you can, if you want. Okay, that's the maximum. Fifteen to twenty percent. Yep. Okay. okay. I think I'll do that. Okay. okay. Good. Good. Yep. Thanks very much. Thanks, Nancy. Uh, now to Osler with uh, Larry. Good morning, Larry. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Good morning. Um, I planted my potatoes in rows too close together. Now I have a difficult time hilling them. And so, yeah, the, when you have them that close together and you can't hill them, basically what you do, because there's no soil, so what you have to do is you have to, you have to bring soil from another part of the garden to hill them up, and you kind of hill them up, up all the way across, right? That's about all you can really do in now that the, sort of the case. The purpose of hilling them is, is because as you hill them, um, the potatoes grow from the roots, and like the tomato plants, yep. they'll get more roots more from roots. the stem. So if you can't get in there and hill just in the areas where you're going to not be hilling, you're not going to get as many potatoes yep. in that area. So you still will get some, but not as many as if you were going to hit hill. So yep. if you can bring some more sail and bury some of those um, stems a little bit higher, you're going to get more, a, more, a yep. better yield. Can you use any straw at all? Uh, no, they, because they, they, what will happen is that the, the, the potatoes won't, won't grow in the straw, okay? The straw will help keep the weeds down, keep moisture there, mm-hmm. but it's not going to help you make more potatoes, which that's what you would heal for. Because what you're actually doing is you're building up soil around the, around the base of the stem so that more potatoes can grow in that soil. Great, thank you. Okay. Thanks, Larry. Okay, we have a couple of texts, but don't forget, you can always give us a call with your questions. one 332 8255 We start off with Pat in Saskatoon. If using Dawn dish soap in hose and sprayer to get rid of tent caterpillar on an apple tree, what setting should I use and will it work? It'll it'll work. I'm just trying to remember what setting it will uh, be. Um, probably, I would say with that one, I'd probably put it on six. Okay. Which is which is six mils per liter of water. Okay. Okay, that's probably a, be a good safe setting to set it at. And with it, with, what you're basically doing is you have an insecticidal soap. There's nothing more than that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're using a product like Endol or something like that, there's also pyrethrin in there as well too, which is going to kill them on contact. So um, it, it yep. may work. Uh, it may not work. As, uh, long, you, as long as as long as gets a full coating, it works on better on soft bodied. Um, 
um, insects like, like aphids. aphids. Okay. You know, it works better, but I mean, it can work also on things like caterpillars as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, this one coming from Jean in Prince Albert. If you pull up lilies because of those little red bugs, uh, do you have to get rid of all the soil too? Also, could you talk about peonies, planting, dividing, when, etc.? Okay. So the lily beetles, um, the, the, what will happen is that in later on in the summertime, they will go into the soil and they'll, that's where they'll, they'll, they'll winter. Okay. So right now they're up in the plants and they're, you know, eating the leaves and laying eggs, right? Reproducing. So the, the big thing to do is right now is just keep, keep after them. And if you want to get rid of them, uh, you can get rid of the plants. So hopefully they'll move on somewhere else because they're going to want to keep eating this summer yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, um, if you're going to plant them, just don't plant and, it's not even help in the same location because they're going to, if they, they pop out of the ground, bit. they're going to move around in the yard and find your lilies. Yeah. One thing I will say with the lilies, if you're wanting to move them and you're wanting to take them out and move them somewhere yep. else, um, you'll want to preserve that bulb is the biggest yep. thing that you want to do. So if you just take them and then you cut them off before that stem has died back into the bulb, you're not going to have enough energy in that bulb for it to bloom again next year. So make sure you almost pretend that the seasons continue to growing set them aside, let yep. it die back mm-hmm. down until the stem is yep. soft, and then you can store those bulbs and move them. And when okay. you plant them again, plant some diatomaceous earth in the, with the bulb as well. Okay. And that'll give the beetles nest in the ground. They get that diatomaceous earth around them, their bodies, and then um, then they don't, that'll help to, to kill them as well. The other question was? Was peonies. Yeah. Peonies, so, yes. So uh, peonies love a hot, sunny location. Yeah, so make sure you have them on the south or west side of the house. Um, if you're going to go dividing them, um, best to do that when they're dormant in the early spring or really late fall. Okay. Um, if you decide to do it in the early spring, um, if they've already started to get their shoots up on them, it's really important you don't um, knock off the tips of their shoots because then you aren't going to get any blooms that That's year. That's why you want to okay. do it as soon as the frost's out of the yeah, ground, so before they start budding. Really early in the yep. season. Um, I would say probably taking about a third of the plant at a time is probably best for peonies, or you can dig the whole plant right out of the ground and then divide it up if you're wanting to do a big okay. division. And, and then don't plant too deep. Yeah, make sure you don't plant them too deep, almost so the crown is sticking out of the soil a little bit. Um, uh, you want to plant them in a, a drier area. So mm-hmm. well-drained soil is really, really important. Um, so if you have an area with really thick clay soil, make sure you dig that hole a little bit deeper and refill it with some Or if you have a spot soil. where the, you know, the grass drains off into okay. that spot, you don't want to put peonies there. No. They won't no. like that. Um, peonies usually attract aphids, which attract ants. So most people think, oh, I'm going to have ants in my yard if I plant uh, peonies. That's not necessarily true. It's just sort of keeping the, the aphids at bay and those uh, and, ants. And ladybugs or the, yeah. or the um, uh, praying, praying mantis. Praying mantis yeah. will yeah. definitely help with that. But they'll bloom all season long. Make sure you fertilize them often, probably once every three weeks, and you'll have some beautiful blooms. If you have a question, you can give us a call or a text at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. 332 We have Dagmar waiting on the line in Melville. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Well, hello, Rick and Jill. We love your show for many years. Thank you so much for all you offer us. And we were particularly interested in knowing more about the corn gluten, where our garden is overrun with portulaca. We've, it's winning. It's been 10 years and we've been trying to keep up with it and cannot. And so we thought that the corn gluten might be the answer, understanding that it has, everything has to be germinated first. Yep. But what does that mean for potatoes? Because potatoes are... Yeah, potatoes, it doesn't matter potatoes, but you got to remember, sometimes that corn gluten can last for two years in your garden. Two or three years, yes. you said. Yeah, yes. and we're willing to... Um, you know, germ- germinate our own like ahead of time yep. for three years. We'd have to, but because we're just sick of the portulaca, honest to God. Yeah. Then the biggest thing you still have to watch for is you still can't go on rotor tail and that kind of stuff because you're just going to make cuttings. Okay. Okay. So that's the problem because they propagate not just from seed, but they also propagate if you go. Oh to, yes. <laughs> you go to rotor tiller, you make a million little cuttings. Okay, and then you just get worse. I yeah, find. And how can you not rotor till? Your garden. Yeah, right? well, you got to go through first before you rototill. And just like I always say, just put a, t- take an old black nursery pot, uh-huh. stick it in the middle of your garden, and every time you see a, a porcelaca, throw it in, to pick it, and put it in the pot. And just let it fry. 
in the pot, you know. Yeah, but you can't uh-huh. just throw it on the ground, or else yeah. it's gonna. It'll, you can't just throw it on the ground because it'll just it'll just germinate. Yeah, that's it'll, right. It'll grow yeah. again. So you put it in a black pot, black nursery pot. You know, you can usually go to one of the garden centers because they're giving those things away, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, just stick it in the ba- in the middle of the garden. And every time you see one of those things, just pick it and throw it in the pot. Yeah, and we've been pick- we have been picked. Our first year, we picked eight garbage bags full. Yep. And uh, and it, it, we just can't keep up with it. That's yeah. that's the thing of it. It's just you know we're getting older too, and it's. <laughs> Yep. Harder to keep but, up yeah, with, you know. So it's going to be pretty hard to start all your carrots and that kind of stuff next year, you know, just by by pre-starting them. But all your other plants, yeah, absolutely, you know, your beans and peas and everything else, you can. But potatoes, potatoes, would they be? No, you can just you don't they don't they won't have to worry about those germinating because it's it's basically a, a that's they're a not bulb. really yeah it's, it's a bulb right it's it's a tuber. Okay. So you won't have a problem with that. It, it's more the the seeds that you have problems with. Yeah. Okay. okay, like your radishes, lettuce. And will the lettuce. corn gluten then get rid of the portulaca? It'll stop. It won't. Not the cuttings that are there. Okay. Okay. It'll, it'll get the seeds that are there. Okay. Okay. So you still have to pull out the yep. adult plants. You still have to get. You still, still got to go through the three years of pulling out and yep. what yeah. have you. But, just but st- then it will stop any of those if you pull them out and any of the seeds fall on the ground. It will stop those from germinating. And, okay. th- and that's why you want to throw them in a pot for it because even if you pull them and throw them on the ground. They still will flower, and or the the seeds if they had gone to seed already, the seeds just like in the farmer's field when you swath it. I mean, it'll still yeah. It'll we try still, not to let them go to seed, yeah. but it's it's just it, it's, it's hard. It's a tough one. I remember as the a last kid, couple of years has just been yeah. As a kid, we just used to pick those things and all that my and throw them in a bag. Oh or yeah, pot. your story, your dad yeah. making yeah, you your pick parents, them. See, had <laughs> yeah, no. kids. As kids, they used to have, no kids on this. Uh, and, and then he says that his his dad, when it came time to pay him for the bucket full, he used to step on it and push it down <laughs> and make him get more. Maybe get me more. It's not full yet. Gotta get bang for your buck on that one. Because <laughs> so. he knew it was a never ending thing, so he knew that he wanted to keep us going. <laughs> well, yeah. that's terrific. Thanks for okay. your time. Yeah. Have a good day. You too. You too. Bye. Bye now. Uh, we had to John in Saskatoon. Hi there, John. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Yeah, so I have a lilac. It's a big uh, uh, lilac with a big trunk. I'm not sure what type yep. it is. But Probably an ivory silk. Ivory silk last lilac. Last year, it didn't leaf out very much, and this year even less. So just wondering what the issue is. The issue is usually with lilacs is that they're they're in a, they're in too heavy of a clay and they're too moist down below. That's that's the number one reason why they have issues, okay? Um, and so you, what you want to do is you want to probe the soil down about 12, 16 inches down with a piece of rebar around, just around the tree and just see what the moisture is down below. If you find okay. that it is moist, you've got to aerate, okay? Uh, okay. If it's an area where the water runs too all the time off the grass or, you know, or pools around it or, or the tree was planted too deep, you know, uh, it doesn't like that either. Okay. Okay. So you can actually dig around. Uh, how long ago was the tree planted? Oh, it would be probably twenty years. Oh, so yeah, no, it shouldn't be. It's not not the deepness part. If it's been twenty years, um, yeah, probe the soil and and see what's going on. It's either it's either most likely it probably got too wet in that area, and and the the, the lilacs like to be more dry and well drained soil. Okay. 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 And that would be the number one reason why you have trouble. I have one in another part of my yard, which is fine, and one close to the house where, you know, the soil got worked up and it was all mostly clay there. It's it's struggling. And, yeah. that's and num- I had one where the sprinklers would hit that area all the time, and I lost the top of it because it just was too wet. Yeah, I know it is clay. There are yeah. lots of clay. So just make sure you aerate lots if you want to keep it there. Just aerate lots, poke holes around the drip line of the tree, and wiggle that bar and keep oxygen in the soil. Okay, thank okay? you very much. Yep. Thanks, John. Okay, bye. All right, we can take a couple of texts here before we go to break. Uh, this one coming from Jenny in Saskatoon. Should we fertilize fruit trees if we just planted them? Uh, you can do a, a like a what I like using is like a fruit and berry type of fertilizer. Okay. And what reason why I like the fruit and berry because it's a very low nitrogen, but it has a lot of you know it has more a little more potassium, it has a little bit of pota- uh, 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 phosphorus, but it also has you know. Boron, magnesium, mm-hmm. calcium, all so that. So the of stuff. fruit and berry one that he's talking about, it's by a, a company called Dirt and Grow yeah. out of um, out of 
Manitoba. There's a few of them out there. And, yep. uh, and it's an organic, so it's a little bit different than the synthetic. So mm-hmm. make sure you're looking for an organic yeah. fertilizer. Yep. Right. It just has all those other nutrients that make the plant do really well. The little extras. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, this one coming from Monica in Saskatoon. Why would a potato plant look like it has little tomatoes on it? That's just uh, what happens. You get the seed growing on on the uh, potatoes. Do have seed as well, so they okay. do grow a flower and they do grow a seed pod as well. You actually, some people can get those seeds to grow actually into a potato again. Hmm. Okay, so th- that's just uh, sometimes a plant will, especially if it's if it's uh, under certain conditions. If the conditions are perfect, it'll actually produce a seed on top of the plant as well. Okay. Nothing to worry about. It's normal. All right. Sounds good. Um, probably the last one before our break here. Uh, this one is coming from Ray. We planted pink potentilla shrubs last spring. Yep. They wintered well and are consistently watered and fertilized. Except for a couple flowers this year, they didn't seem to be flowering. Can you tell us what might have gone wrong and why they aren't flowering? Yeah, this last winter was just a little bit of a brutal winter, especially with that late snow we had in yeah. end of March, beginning of April. And they did take some, on some potentillas, even spireas, they took some cell damage on some of the, anything that was sticking above that snow. And so just, um, you, always potentillas, I always give them a trimming and then fertilize every three weeks from Mother's Day until around July the 15th, approximately, mm-hmm. depending on where your three weeks ends up. Yeah. And even August 1st for potentillas is not a bad thing. And then you can get a lot of new growth. Remember, potentillas, you can, every fourth year, you can trim them right to the ground. Okay. And let them come back again. So I wouldn't worry about them. Just, uh, if you haven't fertilized them all year, give them a fertilizing right now because it's still, you're still okay. Still to, close, yeah. You know, we're still close. Give them a fertilizing now. Use a 20, 20, 20, 30, 10, 10, 15, 30, 15, whatever you have mm-hmm. in stock and, and, uh, fertilize them with that. And then, uh, you'll get them to, you know, put some energy back into them next year. You'll, you'll be good. Just give them a, a light pruning and they're good. If you have a question, comment, concern, anything relating to plants, you can give us a call. 1-877-332-8255. Uh, we have Paul waiting on the line in Saskatoon. Hi there, Paul. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Hey, good morning, you guys. Good morning. Boy, we got a lot of rain last night. Did you? Which is which is a good thing. I got none. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the neighbor got any. You know how it can rain on the other side of the street. Yeah. Um, I have um, I have these pine trees that are like thirty feet tall. Yep. They're starting to encroach into my driveway now, and you know, scraping onto the truck, and you yep. know, yep. I want to top them. You know, I've seen people, they, they can even make them into a ball when they shape them. Yep. I'm just wondering, like, these are 30 feet tall. Um, how much can I cut down and when? So topping them is going to make them thicken out on the bottom, okay? So if you're saying you have problems with them scraping and everything else, you may not want to touch the top but more trim the sides in or the, bo- or the bottom up, you know? Okay. Um, rather than the top. I mean, you can trim the top. I mean, I've seen pine and spruce trees taken down drastically, and I think, oh, <laughs> that's pretty drastic. And then, yeah. But it took five or six years after that, and they actually look pretty good, you know. Yeah. But it, took, it takes time. You're not going to, you're going to be looking at a flat top or whatever for a little while. Okay. Until those trees start filling in. Now with pine trees, if you want to do the trimming, trimming after the, after they finish their new growth, which you're coming now into August, that's when you should start trimming them. Pine, pine trees don't like to be pruned in late fall or early spring. They bleed too much. Just like, just like, uh, uh, your birch trees and your maples. Now is the time to start pruning birch trees, maples, and pine trees. So if you're going to do it, now is the perfect time that you made this call, and now this is the perfect time to do the trimming. Uh, cutting the top down. If you're going to cut the top down, uh, uh, you can cut it down as much as you really want to. Uh, like I said, you're just going to have a, a strange-looking tree for quite a few years. Okay? Yeah. That, that'll be the big thing. I'd rather just shape the top and then trim up the base if it's, if it's you know, if it's, tr- if it's brushing onto your vehicle. Or trim in sideways on sides in more, okay, so that you get back to the to the grass rather than hanging over top of the um, uh, over top of the uh, the car. Shape it like a Christmas tree. So yeah, so the, now you can start a little narrow at the top and then go wide, wider to go up and then then it goes back up in again. So you know you can sort of you get a sort of like a teardrop shape, right? Yeah. 
So, um, so uh, the, do what you want with them. Honestly, they're pretty forgiving. And um, and but now's the time to do it if you're going to do it. Yeah, well, I know what you're saying. I had Sask Energy come and uh, top some trees because they were they were actually uh, burning on the on the wires. Yep. And so, yeah, they kind of look uh, a little bit um, strange, but like you said, in a couple of years they'll they'll, they'll, uh, they'll bounce back. They'll bounce back again. Yeah, you just have okay. them. That's not a problem. But yeah, if you want to prune that that pine, now's the time to do it. Perfect. Thank okay. you so much for your time, you guys. You're welcome. Thanks, Paul. Bye. All right. We uh, were talking a little bit about potatoes before we went to break here, and we were mentioning it uh, off air, so perfect time to bring it up now. They were talking about the red kind of thing that they were seeing on potatoes. Yeah, there was this green fruit on the on the top mm-hmm. of the potatoes, and that's actually the true fruit of the potato plant. We actually eat the tubers underneath, so that's actually part of the, the root. So the fruit is on the top. Now, like a life cycle of anything, if you want them to produce more of those tubers, take those fruit off. It's gonna The plant's going to say, oh, I'm not finished yet. I need to produce just more. Like, just like deadheading a rose. It's right? going to extend the life yeah. of that plant. So that's one thing I wanted to mention to that uh, that lady who texted yeah. in is make sure you take that fruit off and you're going to extend the light of that plant. You're yep. going to get more tubers, more time to get more tubers. Make sure that you are mounding um, soil around the bottom of the plants too, because you're going to get a lot more, a yep. lot more good yield on yep. that plant. Perfect. Um, also with all this heat that we're going to be getting over the next little bit, so you guys have been noticing more pests, some spider mite uh, going around. Spider mite is a, is a big one. I'm seeing that, seeing the spider mite galls come up on, on maple trees, linden trees, these little galls, these little growths on the leaves. And so that's a spider mite. And what they do is they, they go on the leaf and even you'll see an aphid gall too. Uh, but they'll, they'll, they'll spit, they'll bite into the, they'll suck into the leaf because they're sucking the juice out of it. And then that leaf that causes, when they spit into it, they leave their spit behind and it causes a hormone growth, which causes a growth, which then the spider mites usually a lot of times will lay their eggs into that growth. And so you'll see that. So, and also even with the pine trees, uh, watch for pines and spruces and junipers and cedars. When you get extreme heat like this, the spider might love it, and they just reproduce like crazy. Yeah, the and dry it, conditions especially, they'll just go rampant. So, heat and dry. So adding that humidity when you're watering, spraying the tree down yeah, a little bit Yeah, too. washing the tree down with water. Spider mites don't like that. They don't like so water can, at all. They don't like that. So you can cold water, spray them down. Uh, otherwise, you can use uh, other products to, you know, other, other than that for, you could like malathion and bug eggs out. Bug eggs out. Bug eggs out doesn't work as good. Not as good. As you could also malathion. use the um, endol too, the three in one. Yeah. Um, works good as well too, but yeah, the endol works coat, really it good. Some pretty, the canola coats them pretty good. And um, so, but yeah, uh, keep, a, keep a watchful eye for mm-hmm. spider mite. Uh, they'll be in cranberry bushes, they'll be in potent till. A lot of your be, evergreens will get them. Yep. Yeah. Junipers nuts. So just keep on top and, and keep the extra moisture there. Okay. Because don't forget, these insects are sucking moisture. So you soon see them turn to either brown or gray colored, uh, or the leaves will be distorted because they can't keep up with the heat, with the evaporation and growing and, and the bugs on top of it. That's when you start seeing the plants having stress. So And in your annuals, you'll see this a lot on your tropical plants, like your palms, your hibiscus, um, your crotons, uh, your dracaenas, all of those will have spider mite at this time of year especially. So yep. make sure you're watching for those. Watching for those and just scouting. Because you need a magnifying glass to see them or you take uh, you take a clipboard out there okay. with a white piece of paper. Just give the, oh, okay. the branches a little shake and then you can see the little tiny specks moving around. <laughs> All of a sudden it's not a white piece of paper it's, anymore. It's, it's not like Charlotte's Web big spider web. Yeah. Okay? It's little <laughs> fine webbing between the needles of the evergreens. Yeah, and you, so, When you do the white paper you'll either see uh, like a thin thin one that's called thrips if it's moving around yep. or else you'll see like little tiny spiders and that spider mite. You can oh, take okay. a magnifying glass and mm-hmm. you can really see them. You can see those yeah. legs from the spider mite. And so. Bit of a project. Yep. <laughs> and you want to be watching, like, I would be doing scouting in your garden, like, every every 10 days, I would say, right mm-hmm. now. And just to sort of keep things at bay, keep things at a level. Um, you don't want to eliminate bugs completely from your garden. You want things to be there so you can have natural insects to, and predators out there. But keeping things at bay every 10 days, be checking your plants to keep things things healthy. Yep. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyke from Dutch Growers. You can give us a call or text at 1-877-332-8255. Uh, we've had Doug patiently waiting for us through the news break here. So uh, Doug in Cadbury, what's your question for Rick and Jill today? Uh, yeah, I have um, actually my son, he planted some uh, Parkland Pillar Birch. Yep. And it's all in a, in a laneway kind of 
Right. And um, they've been in about two months now. Yep. And but they're really yellowing quite a bit. Yep, they're dry. Um, but the, but they've had quite a bit of water. Yep, but what? But they have been quite a bit of water. But the soil around them's wet. But the yep. roots haven't got onto that soil, so that root ball is drying out because all the leaves with this heat right. are sucking the moisture out. So you just have to water right at the trunk of the tree, as if you're watering that, as if it was a pot in the ground. Okay. Yeah, we've got a drip line there. With yep. So make with, sure that drip line's right by the trunk. Yep. Okay, not out a little bit because yep. it will dry out. Yep. And so you may have to water that less amount at one time, but more often during the day. Okay. You see what I'm saying? So that it gets, you know, because otherwise what happens if you get, if the, if the root ball gets really dry, what will happen is that you put the dripper on there, and then when the dripper goes, it acts like a chimney because it's really dry soil, and it goes right through the bottom and doesn't wet the whole root ball. Right. Okay. Especially if you've got a drip line only in one spot on top of that ball. Right. So what you want to do is you want to water for maybe 10 minutes, turn it off, and then let it sit for maybe 15 minutes, water for 10 minutes again, and you need to rehydrate that root ball. Once you rehydrate, rehydrate the root ball, then the drip will work a lot better. Okay. Okay. Um, like we've had it on, like ran it for overnight. Yeah, but that, but that... Like I said, that doesn't rehydrate the ball all the time. It'll just make a chi- a chimney, and it'll go right through to the bottom. Okay. Okay? So you have to, sometimes you just need to get out there, and you can take out, if you want, take a piece of rebar and probe into that root ball in a few places, and you'll find that that root ball will be dry in a lot of places, and those green, those leaves right. are, t- are turning yellow because no moisture. I had, okay. last year, I had a whole bunch of people planted either Dakota Pinnacles and Parkland Birches, and I went to a whole bunch of them, and it was exactly the same thing. Once they started putting more water to them, they didn't get any more yellow leaves. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's about 60 of them, so it's... Yep, it's going to be a tough one. You have to keep on top of it. Yeah. Uh, but either that or you, what you have to do is you have to put a second dripper on each tree, one on each side of the ball. Okay. Okay, and then it said you're better off what I, what I call uh, pulse irrigating, which means don't put your drippers on all night. That's not going to help the plant. So put the drippers on for, like if I put an hour of water on, let's say, I'll put it on for 15 minutes four times during the day. And I'll still put that hour of water on, but I put it on at four different times during the day. That's better for the plant than it is to just put a whole whack at one time. Okay, like these these are these uh, are two gallons an hour, I think nozzles, yep. drip nozzles. So. Yep. But like I said, you're only hitting one spot, and maybe some of those drip nozzles right aren't right on top of the ball. Next year, once the roots get out, yep. that'll be fine. It's just this first year, which is a little bit more technical, and you have to be more on top of it. Okay. And you want to get on top of that right away because you have a lot of plants, and you'll you'll lose. Uh, you'll have a lot of uh, if they go into the winter stressed, you'll have a lot of tip kill on those on those birches just this winter. Okay. Okay. And now they were like pine trees in there pr- previously. Yep, that won't matter. That won't matter. Okay. Nope. nope. Okay. Nope. Uh, nothing about fertilizing, or it's not really. Just honestly, just the moisture right now. Uh, okay. That's the that's the big one. And and if you're if you the birches, if your leaves turn yellow, I guarantee it's either it's either too wet or too dry. But I think in most of your cases with this heat we're having right now. It's just that maybe the drippers aren't in the right place, or maybe you need a second dripper on each plant, or you just have to get the root ball rehydrated again. And just take a piece of rebar and probe that root ball. You'll find out real quick. So if it's it's too wet, though, it'll do the same? Yeah, absolutely. You'll okay. be able to tell that by poking down with that rebar right yeah. near the right near yeah. the base. And also yeah. go in the planting hole beside the root ball yeah. and see if the bottom of the hole is full of water. Okay. So if you have heavy, heavy clay, you could have water sitting, you know, two or three inches at the bottom of that root ball, right? Just sitting yeah. there stagnant. It's a loam soil. It's not heavy clay. Yeah. So. No, I think it's probably too dry then. But uh, we were digging down there a while ago, and it was it was wet. Yeah, but but check the root ball itself, not the soil around the top. Yeah. Okay? Because the, okay. root, the roots aren't into that wet soil yet. No. Yep. Okay? Okay. Good. Thanks, Dad. Okay, thank you very much. Yep. All right, we have Ross in Regina on the line. Good morning, Ross. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Hi there. I'm wondering about trimming cedars. I got a fairly big cedar, and it's just uh, getting into the sidewalk and a bit too much onto the driveway, and I'm wondering if a guy can use a hedge trimmer and cut her back a bit, or right now, what happened? Now is, now is time you can do that, not a problem. Just make sure you only trim back far enough so you still see green. If you trim it back so that you just have sticks, it's going to take about... F- 
three to five years for them to fill back out again. Okay, so okay. just like, so you really can only take a half an inch or something off. Or maybe an inch or two, you know, depending on the plant, you know, where it is. But if you tick it back so there's no green at all, it's it'll they'll come back, but it'll take quite a few years. Okay, so if it, it would you just sort of each year just trim it back a bit more type of thing? Nope, because what happens is once you trim it, they thicken out and you get less light inside and you get even more brown needles inside because no light, right? So if they if they gotten really big and then then now you ha- you have a problem because uh, you may have to actually remove the plant and plant a different plant that doesn't grow as wide, right? Okay, or, or, yeah, I know or, it's gotten really big. <laughs> yeah, so that's the problem is that you just can't or you trim it up, you know, so that you doesn't so that you can walk beside it and you plant some other shrubs on, on the base of it, you know, junipers and that, so that it fills in those spots. Okay, okay. awesome. Thanks a lot today. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Bye now. Bye now. Uh, we can get to a couple of texts here before we go to the break. If you have a call or a question and would like to call in, it's one 332 8255 This one coming from Mark in Emerald Park. Just wondering if strawberry plants would survive the winter all right if they were planted inside a tractor tire filled with dirt. Now, one thing with that is uh, you need some insulation around them. So if there's a okay. lot of snowfall, especially in the early part of the season when we're getting those freeze, freeze yeah. thaws, freeze thaws, and then the later part of the, the early part of the spring, freeze thaw, freeze thaw, you need lots of insulation there. Um, probably at least about two to three feet, I would say, of, of snowfall on top of that area. Yeah, as, long as, you get, as long as that tire, tire is in a place where you get lots of snow, it'll okay. be fine. But if we get a bunch of brown winters, let's say, we yeah. don't get snow until Christmas time almost, the frost will go right through the side of the tire and it won't protect them at all. So, but you'll have to then, you know, put some leaves or build some leaves and that around the base, around the side of the tire. Because mm-hmm. it depends. Some tractor tires are pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that you can do is if you want to do a, a trial on it, see if it works this year, you can actually take some of the runners off the plants and put them into cold storage for, oh, for okay. next season, then plant them up again next year, as long as you just add a little bit of moisture throughout the winter every once in a while. So that's another option too. Take some of the runners, leave some in there, and then you also yeah. have some new plants to plant next year if it doesn't work. Just kind of have to make sure there's a blanket of some sort to keep it safe. Yeah. Yep. Otherwise, we can do also is you can put, you know, you don't have to fill up the actual tire part. You just fill up the middle. It depends on how big of a tire it is, obviously. Yeah. But then you can put some styrofoam. It kind of it's kind of hard because you got to bend it in a circle, and mm-hmm. styrofoam doesn't bend that easy, <laughs> right? And but you can put some insulation on the inside. Uh, of the tire and then leave that air spot spot just fill up up to the styrofoam in the middle okay and then you'll get that air pocket with the tire and then an air pocket and the styrofoam mm-hmm. and that will help insulate them as mm-hmm. well all right perfect okay. if you have any questions you can give us a call or text at one 332 8255 a few patient callers through the break here so we start off in saskatoon with Catherine. what's your question for rick and jill today uh, good morning. I have a home strep cedar I bought two years ago from the greenhouse, and uh, it, with the heavy weight of the snow this season, it has really spread out. The yep. branches, it's not in its pyramidal shape. Yep. Is there anything I can do? You could tie them up together, just use some, like an old pair of pantyhose works really good, or otherwise just some soft tie, something that's just not going to cut into the bark. You know, and then uh, and the, even a piece of garden hose with some string, you know, through it uh, works well. And uh, an old piece of garden hose, and and then that will hold them together, and then they'll they'll toughen up and they'll be together again. Mine okay? was uh, quite young too, and it did that the first year because I actually always shoveled the snow so, on top of them, and I did a little bit of light pruning inside too, and it helped it thicken up. A little yep. bit as well, too. So that that also made sort of those holes fill up a little bit tighter for you as well, too. You did a bit of, of pruning. Okay. Yeah, just some light pruning. You don't want to go into like the brown, but just pruning up the green in those areas. It will just sort of make it fuller and thicker. Yep. Okay, and tie it and keep it tied. And keep, for it, keep, it tied it... keep it tied for, for almost 12 months, okay? Okay, And then yep. it'll, it'll toughen right up again. This summer and then through next winter again, you can take it off like next June type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. yep. Bye now. Appreciate it. Bye. Uh, we have Lori and Cylon on the line. Good morning. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Yes. Good morning. I have, have got a real problem right now with aphids. And usually we have all kinds of ladybugs around, but they're not out there this year. I know what they're doing to my garden and I'm worrying about what they're doing to the crops, but... 
I was wondering about diatomaceous earth. Yeah, diatomaceous earth, the only problem with diatomaceous earth, it's hard to get it on the plant because ladybugs are up in the plant. And diatomaceous work, works good with crawling insects. Yeah. Right? So there, that you put onto the ground. It's really hard. I mean, you can, can get, a, you can mist your plants and put some diatomaceous earth on and as a dust onto the leaves. I use that for like rose, the, the rose uh, weevils and that kind of stuff. But it's it's not really meant for that. It's meant to be in the ground where they crawl through it. Okay. I would more right. mix up some uh, insecticidal soap, Dawn dish soap, or even grab some Endol and, uh, and hit them with that every 10 days. And that's going to keep them at bay for you. Yep. Okay. With Dawn soap. Yep. yep. How, how much, like how much to a Just a couple, you don't need a whole lot. If you have a liter of water, just put like, you know, like a, about two or three tablespoons. And then, oh, you know, well, a liter of water. That's quite a bit to it. But that, to that'll make it sudsy, yeah. okay? And then that coats them, and then yeah. they, they suffocate. Sure. Okay. okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, we have Ken in Battleford on the line. Good morning, Ken. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Yes, I, I started uh, Hollyhocks, and I... Uh, perennial ones, and uh, I set them out probably see, uh, at least six weeks ago. They don't seem to be growing much. They're still only about six inches high. And one, what kind of fertilizer would you use in them? Yeah, you can just use a 20-20-20 fertilizer on your hollyhocks. But one thing to remember with hollyhocks, when I'm starting them, I actually will start my hollyhock seeds in like February, February 15th to 20th. I'll start them indoors and then transplant them outside um, later on the season if I'm just getting the season going. And I want them to be up and blooming that first year. Now, so it's going to take them a few years to establish. So remember that also with hollyhocks, some, let them go to bloom at the end of the season. The blooms will then drop down. Um, and you'll get some some regermination through this. What kind of fertilizer? Too. I would just use a twenty 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 fertilizer. An all purpose fertilizer would be great for those. Twenty twenty twenty, just ordinary one. Yeah, yep. exactly. Okay. Uh, will it bloom this year? Uh, depending on how late you planted them, they might not bloom this year. And because they need to bloom and then drop that seed for them to reproduce year after year, you might need to replant them again next year. Replant them? Yes. And replant them earlier. I would start them indoors um, earlier yeah, I on. Started, the I started these indoors in March, right? Eh? Oh, okay. oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. Then they should they so, should be good then. It, and what you if they don't bloom, what you have to need to do is mulch them heavy for the winter time, and then okay. they'll come up next year. And then you also will get the blooms next year on them. Okay. Okay. But no, not, I've been using alfalfa pellets on them. I mean, it's, you know. Uh, Diluted with water, eh? Yep. Yeah, use that- the alfalfa pellets. But now, now, if you want to get them growing, okay, now a little bit higher nitrogen with the alfalfa pellets. So, like the twenty 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 one 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 fertilizing with that, that'll yeah. just get them growing a little quicker. Yeah, and I got a uh, Chinese money plant in, in, in the house, and it's not doing good. What kind of fertilizer would you use in it? I would just use the Schultz house plant food. You put a few drops in your water every time you water. That's the Pardon best. Me. It's called Schultz Houseplant Food. Sell it. How do you spell it? Schultz, S-H-U-L-T-Z. Yep, that's it. And it's houseplant food. And you just put a few drops in the water. Seven drops per liter of water. Ordinary houseplant food. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And then that's do that. good. I thank the, you kindly. Yeah, fertilize that every three weeks, okay, inside the house. The biggest thing with that one there is you don't want to overwater it. So make sure you stick your finger into the soil um, before you water. If it's dry mm. to the touch, um, then you can water it. Oh, thank you. All right. Very good. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. All right. We have Ted in Weyburn before we head to a break for news. Good morning, Ted. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Hello. I bought two Hascap shrubs uh, planted them in May of this year, and I'm just, I put mulch around them. I'm just curious about fertilizing them, how often, and because of the mulch, how should I fertilize them? Yeah, what I just, what I normally do with the mulch is if, if I'm going to fertilize, is a lot of times I'll, I'll just fertilize either through the mulch, or if I also, if I use a more an organic fertilizer like a, like the fruit and berry, I'll just dig down and then and then pour some in in about six different places around the, in through the in the bottom of the mulch. Then it gets the roots better rather than be absorbed by other microbes that are just in the mulch, right? And so so okay. I'll, just, I'll just dig down and just in about six different places and uh, put the the fruit and berry. You don't want to use a high nitrogen because then if you, 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 
can use a high nitrogen the first time because you really want the plants to grow, but we're at the end of the fertilizing season right now. So if you're going to do it, you have to do it right now, and then that'll be it for the rest of the season. And then start fertilizing your hascaps with a more of a fruit and berries uh, back in May, in May, okay? May in, okay. in the first part of June, and then quit. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. You're welcome. Thanks for your call. All right, we have a couple, well, about a minute and a half here that we can go through uh, maybe a text or two. Uh, this one coming from Ron in Momart. Can you talk about asparagus? I'm wanting a nice, healthy patch and have a two-year-old plant that's never harvested. What year to start harvesting and how to care for it in the fall to prepare for winter? Well, asparagus are tough as nails once they get going. Um, biggest thing is, is you don't want to harvest them until the, the fruit is about the size or the thickness of your pinky finger. Okay. Um, so usually when you see them about that, it's usually about the second or third year that you can start harvesting them. Leave them alone. Um, if, into fall, if they're, they're not that big, just leave them alone. Let them die back down to the ground. That puts the energy back down to the ground. A lot of people will be like, um, uh, they'll want to cut them back. Yeah. And you don't want to do that. You just want to leave them up, let them die back down, and that's it. All right. Easy enough. Um, And one last one. I enjoy my lilies and have quite a few, but this year the red lily beetle is terrible. I handpick both the beetle and larva and wondering if Saskatchewan had any intention of introducing parasitic wasps like Alberta did. Yeah, they're coming. They're okay. doing more tests on them. They, they like to do lots of tests just to make sure they're not going to, those parasitic wasps aren't going to affect other beneficial yeah. insects right and but they're, they're they're doing all those trials right now and especially in out in manitoba and alberta mm-hmm. and so i think we're going to see a lot of those parasitic wasps come out and they start introducing them here and once they do that'll be awesome how does that work it's i'm curious now <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little wasp but what they do is they go around and they go after the larva or sometimes they go after the egg mm-hmm. and what the what they'll do is the wasp will will go and just like they would like you get a mosquito bite and you get yeah. a sting they'll do that to the the insect and then that they'll drop an egg into the insect. The okay. egg will hatch, and then it'll eat the in, the insect from the inside out. Okay. And then it once it finishes eating that insect, it pops out as another wasp, and then goes after another one. Okay. And so it just keeps going. Interesting. It's it's honestly it's just a perfect way of being a natural way of you know predator versus yeah. prey battling. But the for picking pests. those those uh, those eggs and the yep. bugs, mm-hmm. you can use a lint roller as well, oh, too, okay. and then it's not as gross grabbing them with your hands. So yeah. just grab a lint roller and you can lint Probably roll Probably a little off. faster, too. Yeah. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. If you have a question for us, give us a call. one 332 8255 We have a couple, a couple of callers waiting for us on the line here, so we'll start off in Regina with Al. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Uh, hello, uh, Rick and Jill. I've got a 40-foot section of fence, a beautiful area. Regina just met with Scanner Lake. And I would like to plant uh, the Concord grapes over there. Yep. I would like to know what type to plant. Okay. Is it still too uh, late to plant them this year? No, you can and plant- where can I get them? Not You can plant them, no problem. Just check your garden center. You're Regina, right? Okay. Yeah, we should have some over there at uh, at the Garden Center in Regina. But I mean, you, the variety you want to plant is the ones that will do the that that are true, true, uh, proven and true. One is called Beta, and one another one's called Valiant. Okay, Beta and what? Valiant. Valiant. Yeah. You now there's some other ones Beta called and Valiant. Valiant. Yeah. There's another one okay. called if you can and, find. And you say that I could still put them in this year. Absolutely. Awesome. And just make sure uh, that uh, any special uh, thing like how far you put them apart or anything like that. Just plant them uh, about, for directions. Yeah, about three to four feet apart. Okay. And uh, make sure you put more than one variety because they cross pollinate and then get you'll get more grapes. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Rick. You're welcome. Thanks, Al. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we have Brenda in Lloydminster. Good morning, Brenda. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Hi, Rick and Jill. Thank you so much for doing this show. Um, we have a large lilac tree. I estimate about 13 feet tall, maybe that far across. Um, it's shading a lot of plants on either side of it, and I'm wanting to, you know, wondering if it's okay to trim the upper portion on the sides. <clears throat> Will that affect blooming? And is it okay to do it now, or when should I do it? If you do light pruning, you can do it right away, but it's getting a little late. I like to do it right after they finish blooming. Mm-hmm. And, but if I want to do a major pruning, I like to do that when they're more dormant. 
Okay, but then I, okay. I then I sacrifice a year of blooms. Right. Okay. So then I just yeah, if I want to do a major pruning, wait till dormancy, like October or beginning end of March or beginning of April, cut it back whatever you want in half, whatever you want to do. Okay. Okay. And then okay. and then you will you lose a year of blooms. Okay. But then you. Will it only make the, the sides lose their blooms, or will it, the whole tree will? Like, I, o- I don't... Only I, the parts you pruned. Right, okay. So if I don't do the central portion, <clears throat> I should be okay then, you'll, right? you'll get You'll get some blooms, right? Okay, yep. okay. Absolutely. So can I ask another question? Absolutely. Okay, so I also have a Hansa rose that I've planted. It's been there at least two years, and it's sort of under that. I'm kind of thinking it's not blooming because of that, but... Of being shaded? Yep. Or could there be other reasons? Mainly because it needs, hands of rose likes full, full sun. Okay, so it's in the wrong place. It loves the hot, hot sun. That's what hands of roses love. Ah, okay, Okay, that explains it. So if you need to move it, wait till till, uh, the middle of April and move it then. Oh, okay. okay. Good to know. Okay. Okay. One more question? Yep. I've got a patch of Nanking cherries. Yep. I was told... And they were most of them were planted before we bought the place. Yep. So I was told it was because I didn't have another variety, and that's why it wasn't producing. Correct. So I put in a different kind of one, or like I thought it was a different variety. I assumed it was, and I'm still not. I hardly get any berries. Like this year, I'm looking and there's nothing. Well, they have the one thing about this year is that we did have a, a weird spring, so a lot of the blooms took a kicking. So we had a little less crop this year than normal. Okay, okay, and they have to be the two cherries you have have to bloom at the same time. Okay. Okay, so depending okay. what you have, you have to have one that blooms at the same time. If they're not blooming the same time, they're not going to cross pollinate. Of course. Okay. Okay. That that tells me. Okay, so I'm going to have to go into a garden center and find out find if out. I've actually got yep. compatible ones. Exactly. Right? Okay, okay, that's awesome. Good. Thank you so much for the information. You're I appreciate welcome. your help. You're welcome. All right, we have, um, let's see, Sharon next in Karenport. Good morning, Sharon. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Good morning. Uh, I have a question about my lawn. It, uh, it used to be just in one area. It would get really light, light green patches, kind of strips, or sometimes almost circles sometimes, and... I've been, I water the lawn once a week. Yep. I do a deep watering and I mow it and I fertilize it twice this year already. So yep. I'm not sure what it is. You probably have an insect in there. Now you, it's either going to be a sod webworm or it's going to be a cinch bug or it could be cutworm. But most likely, if it's the way it's yellow, it's either probably sod webworm or a cinch bug. Okay, how do you get rid of that? Uh, that that you can use a, a product called trounce. You, it fits on the, it's an attachment that fits on the end of your garden hose, and you just spray your lawn with it. Okay, and then water and then water what it in. Call it again. It's called trounce. Can you spell that for me? T r o u n c e. Okay, and. How do you use it again? You just it has a it, it has a bottle that's hooked to your garden hose, mm-hmm. and then you just water your lawn with it. Oh, awesome. Okay. Okay. And that'll take care of those. Now, you can do a little searching on those spots. Just take a little shovel and just dig up the sod, and you can put the sod back down again. But just check the roots right at the bait, by the, between the crown of the grass and the roots, uh-huh. and you'll see the little bugs. Okay? So just check oh. for it. Okay. And, or if you see a little moth flying up, you know, as you walk through the grass, then you know you have sod webworm. Okay. Okay. And I can get that stuff at any garden center? Most garden centers, um, chain stores, that kind of stuff will have it. Okay, okay. good. But I also have three cedars that get uh, the same amount of water and same fertilizer, but one appears to be dying. Okay, so just really watch because it's probably, you think it's getting the same amount of water, and a lot of times it's not because of the way the slope of the soil is, or maybe there's a little clay strip there or something. Okay. okay. So just watch for that and just poke. Probe. You can't tell by looking at it. Take a piece of rebar and stick it into the ground and actually check down six inches down. Okay. Okay. Then you'll know what's happening. Great. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye. All right. We have Ron in Delisle before we take our quick break here. Good morning, Ron. What's your question for Rick and Jill? I uh, have a leaf miner 
the disease back again. I've got the, some of the leaves are completely black. Some got black blotches, and you know, I do see the green larvae inside. What is the best, or can I spray right now to kill it? Yeah, that, that's a tough one because if they're all black right now, the larva is probably gone. Okay. Uh, they're probably not even there anymore. It's a little sawfly that that lays the eggs, and then the egg goes, the egg hatches and goes inside the leaf and mines out, you know, the chloroform from inside the leaf, right? And oh, so, I'm, I'm opening those leaves up, and they're there. Oh, they're, they're still? still eating. Yeah, they're the, still eating. The problem is that you use you what you use is the uh, a, a product called Saigon, but you can't buy it. You can only buy it as an egg product. You know, you can't buy it as as um, um, as a commercial, like in a re- in retail garden center, you can't mm-hmm. buy it anymore. Uh, so it's you have to use a systemic. That's the only way you can get rid of it. Otherwise, right now you just want to get moisture to those plants so they put out a new leaf. That's okay. what you want to like do. I, I did use leg on four eighty oh. e at the yeah. May long weekend. Eh? Yeah, but you got to use it a little bit later. Uh, use it just because they, they're showing up now. So probably yeah. use it around June the tenth to fifteenth. That'd be probably so the best time. It's too late then for anything now. Uh, well, the problem is that they're almost done, right? You can, if you have yeah. that leg on still, you can give them a spray if you want, but uh, it has to go into the leaf, and the leaf all black is not going to work. So you got to hit. And them. then what about the what about this spinosad? Uh, I read on that. Do you uh, have that? I don't. I don't have that, but I don't know any. Sorry, I don't okay. know anything about that product. And they talk about neem oil too. So yeah, neem oil works, but you can't buy neem oil in Canada. It works awesome. Okay, okay. And now I, I, I did read a little bit more, and like they say, till around the trees, and it's gonna yeah. kind of take care of some yeah. of the eggs. Yeah, exactly. The eggs for the winter time. Do it late fall. Late fall. Right. I got about three hundred, so that's a lot of tilling, yeah. but yeah. whatever. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Quite the project. Oh. Thanks for the call, Ron. Okay. Thanks, Sam. Bye. 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 Mary, what's your question for Rick and Jill today? Yes, hi, good morning. Um, I have some asparagus. I know I'm, I'm not going to get any now, but uh, they're been in the ground for about five years, and they're still fairly spindly. Now, I've, I've been cutting down the ferns. I'm just wondering, should I leave the ferns alone till winter? Yeah, so if they're still spindly, the best thing to do is just leave them alone. So you want them to be dying back completely. So I don't cut them back at all um, until I start seeing the crop get about as thick as my pinky. You might want to give them a, 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 a organic vegetable type fertilizer. Yeah, or even alfalfa pellets, or mix fel- that up and, yep. and pour it on as a tea, and that would help as okay. well too. Yep. Okay, great. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mary. All right, now we go to Grant in Regina. Hi, Grant. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Good morning. I have some hazcap uh, bushes, four of them, that I uh, had planned or hoped to spring uh, trim this spring, but with the cool, funky spring we had, I didn't get to it. So these guys are quite overgrown. Yep. And um, so I, my understanding is the best time to trim them or a person should trim them in the spring before they start, you know, growing. Of course, because the hazcaps are so early, yep. can I do, is there another time that I can trim them? Like, could I do it now or in the fall you could that even, isn't going to be detrimental to them? Yeah, if, as long as you're only going to take a uh, 25% down right now, you could do it right now. Yep. They're, okay. Uh, hascaps are the honeysuckle family, and I've, I've trimmed them in like a hedge in the middle of summer. And that's not going to affect oh. the fruiting at all? No. no. Yep. Nice. Okay. Um, and uh, how often, like, should a person be doing that annually, or is there some type of frequency? Yeah, no, just always thinning so that you get more light into the into the plant, you know, so that you get okay. more berries. You can do that. You should be doing that annually. annually. Awesome. Yep. And one related question, if I could. To start some new ones from trimmings on those, I've tried that this year, and I haven't had very good luck. So to do that, should a person always be doing it with just the tips, the smallest, newest growth? The newest growth, softwood cuttings, about about okay. basically about three inches long, right? Yeah. And you need to you need to your last cutting where you trim it is you cut it on an angle just about a quarter inch below the a node. And grab, and grab some rooting hormone, that will really help Rooting too. hormone number three will work really good. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the show. Yep. All right, now we're heading off to Christine in Regina. Hi there, Christine. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Uh, good morning. Um, I have a question in regards to three uh, treasure red columnar apple, apple trees, trees that correct. I have planted yep. in the back 
end of my property near the fence. Okay. Uh, they started as uh, small whips. Um, I've had them for about four years. They are now about seven-ish feet tall. Yep. And the last year, they've really flushed out and made a lot of strides. Awesome. Um, and I don't get any blooms as of yet. It's There's lots of foliage. It's lots yep. of... Takes takes up to five. Green, but t- from a whip, it takes up to five years. Okay, okay. so, so up, you'll up be to, just starting so to get those blooms you'll, on it. Probably next year, you'll probably start getting some blooms and some apples. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I I knew it would take a little while. I just wasn't sure whether. Um, and if you want there was something else going yeah. on, or whether it was just if a you, little more time, if you want so to force, if you want to force them a little bit next spring, just cut the tips of them up a bit, about just maybe about six inches off the tips, and then that'll force them to push out those blooms in the spring as well. Okay. So do that. Uh, and do that. In the beginning on of on April. a related topic, yep. can I? One of them is really pushing out a lot from right from the very bottom. It's almost like um, it's reverting to. Uh, a former ancestor, and I'm keep those trimmed off. Yeah, I can trim those. As soon as you see them, as soon as you see them, trim them. Okay. Well, they're a little bit bigger now, but I will from now on. So thank you. Okay. Thanks, Christine. All right. Thanks so much. All right. We're heading to Rose Valley where we find Judy. Hi there, Judy. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Good morning. Um, I have a Ben Sarek. Now, I think it's a current or a gooseberry. Gooseberries. Yep. Do, are you familiar with the name? Which one do you said it's called? And I want to propagate them. Okay, yep. And when do I do that? Right away. Right away? So, softwood cuttings. So you just okay. okay. And new, growth, off, new growth. Take the tips off of them, cut them on a sharp angle, take the bottom leaves off, dip them in some rooting hormone, and stick them okay. in some soil, keep it moist. All right. That's all. Okay, okay perfect. Thanks so much, Thank Judy. you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye now. Uh, now to North Battleford. Uh, Daryl, you're up. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Well, I'm wondering. I have. I know I have cinch bugs. I did the soup can test, and I found. I pushed it into the soil and filled it with water, and and I have a number of cinch bugs in there. I'm wondering what how I treat it. Uh, I have nematodes. Yep, nemat- but the problem being with the hot weather, how do I keep the ground moist enough to actually make that effective? other than flooding my yard, and then uh, is there any other way to treat them? No, the only other, not really, because there's no, the chemicals that you would normally use, you can use a product called Trounce, okay? That's probably the only one that's around that, because all the the the, uh, the diazinon and that kind of stuff and seven are all gone, so that's the other ones that used to work, right? We can't use it anymore. So it's either the nematode, which is now hard to get. We can't even get the cinch bug nematode anymore. We, we tried. Uh, they're, the, the suppliers are out of them right now. Uh, but otherwise, you can use that product called Trounce. And you can you, you, there again, we talked about it earlier in the show, we can hook it in the, in the, onto the garden hose and just water your lawn. But it also, right. but if you use the nematodes, it can kill the nematodes as well, okay? So you don't want to do both. You go one, no. or, the other, one or the other. Okay, I do have nematodes, the actual cinch bug ones. I yep. know you guys were out, but I got them from your competitor, unfortunately. Perfect. Um, Perfect. And and the I also have the ant nematode. So do they have to be staggered when I do that? Doesn't matter. You can do both at the same time. Both at the same time, just like you were saying. Just make sure they stay moist because they can't move through the soil, and they will die if the soil gets dry. Yep. Yeah. So I have to. I should wait until it rains quite heavy, and then go out and apply it, and then keep the keep the sprinkler going quite often. Yep. Or yeah. or put the sprinkler on. You know, the night before, and then go the next morning. Because you might be, you might if it rain in the, right now, you might be waiting a while. I realize that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Very good. Thank you. Okay, bye bye. Thank you. All right, thanks, Daryl. Uh, unfortunately, we have to uh, go to news here in a couple of sec or a break before news in a couple seconds. Uh, we have Laura waiting on the line, but we'll get to your call uh, off air here. Uh, this has been a pretty busy show, yeah, and uh, this show is fun. Yeah, it's good to kind of hear what everybody's dealing with. It's not always just about the heat. <laughs> yep, it's good. All right, we will be back with more Garden Talk this time next week on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.